Black Doctors podcast. Hello and welcome back to the show. I'm excited to jump into today's episode. It features Dr. Anthony Douglas. He is a general surgery resident that I had the privilege of working with as a critical care fellow. I am posting this episode just a couple of hours late. Usually I get episodes up every Sunday night so they're ready for download Monday morning. However, I just came off of my first week on service in the ICU. So it was a little busy and a little behind the power curve, but here is today's episode. I'm excited to share. We've been growing exponentially since starting up season eight. If you haven't already, you know, follow us on Instagram uh, at the Black Doctors Podcast or follow my Instagram as well at Stephen Bradley MD. And we're going to continue to kind of expand the show and different services and perks that we offer. Life's going to be pretty busy for the next couple of months. I am studying for boards in October, but excited to bring you so many more resources and ways to grow professionally, socially, and to continue to build this community that we have here. So I'm going to jump into today's episode and then tune in next week for the second half of this episode, which really jumps further into uh, Anthony's experience during residency. Disclaimer, you know, the, the views discussed in the show are our own, not those of our employers. Hello and welcome back to Black Doctors Podcast. I am Stephen, your host. I am an anesthesiologist and uh, ICU doctor with a passion for medical ethics and health equity. And this is the Black Doctors Podcast. So privileged to have with us the one and only Dr. Anthony Douglas. He is a general surgery resident. I was uh, fortunate to work with him during my time in fellowship. Excellent clinician, uh, compassionate, kind, caring physician. I can't quite read the rest of your handwriting on uh, these accolades you want me to, to read, uh, Anthony, and uh, your check hasn't cleared yet, so I'm going to stop there. Dr. Douglas, welcome to the show. Appreciate you having me, Dr. Bradley. <laughs> Man, so it's been, it feels like longer. It's been a month since, you know, pretty much I, I moved, well, not even a month, a couple of weeks since I moved. We've both, though, gone on to bigger and better things, and, and just that 12 months that we're working together, I mm-hmm. am starting my new job as an attending. You have graduated from at least the first two years of general surgery residency. You are starting your research time. But before we get into that, um, let's talk, let's share, um, you know, just your backstory, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm from South Bend, Indiana, originally raised by both my parents, my uh, mom, Rachel Douglas and father, Anthony Douglas. I was actually the first in my family to go into medicine. I'm the first to graduate college in my family. And so, uh, but I came from a very proud family, a proud household. You know, my, my father grew up really very poor uh, as a, a young man. And so he, you know, instilled the, the same uh, principles of work ethic and a determination that allowed him to kind of get, uh, to escape the cycle of poverty and, um, Psycho poverty that his uh, family grew up in. And so uh, because of my parents, you know, I, I attribute a lot of my success and where I'm at today, obviously to God, but also to to my my uh, parents. Born and raised in South Bend, Indiana, went to public high school uh, where and that's really where my passion for medicine was cultivated. Hmm. You know, my parents always encouraged us to go into something that we would always have a job. And obviously, healthcare is one of those big things. My parents were a big influence on, on in terms of choosing this career field. But uh, in high school, I went to um, 
a school that was a mag- medical magnet program. So each high school had like a different thing it was specialized in, whether it was technology or baccalaureate uh, arts and di- different things. And the school I went to was medicine. So we started off early, you know, in our freshman and sophomore year, learning about medical terminology, uh, taking anatomy uh, courses related to medicine, in addition to our general education courses. And that kind of cultivated my passion for medicine in addition to when my parents started. And then my junior and senior year, you get to shadow in clinics and in the Uh hospital. And I actually, the first black, um, my first black doctor was a pediatrician, Dr. Jan Sanders, who obviously had an influence on me that I probably didn't know uh, until I, you know, came of my current age and having the wisdom I have now, but seeing her as a black physician. But the first uh, African-American doctor I shadow was Dr. Carlton Lyons, who was an OBGYN in South Bend, Indiana. And my relationship with him became extremely impactful down the road. And when I was in college, actually, he uh, there was a point uh, during my freshman year when I thought about, you know, taking a, a different career route when I was struggling in some of the pre-medical science courses in you know, a phone call with him helped me see it through for one more year. And ultimately, mm. why I'm, I'm still here today. So and, and so you met him during high school. I met him. Yeah. My senior year of high school as a wow. um, uh, was shadowing. He we all got to choose like one physician that we wanted to follow. And uh, I got paired with Dr. Lyons and uh, had a great experience with him. And my relationship with him was very impactful and it proved to, uh, you know, have a huge impact later on during college when ultimately I found myself struggling and I needed some advice. And so my my relationship with him is what kept me going. Wow. And I just want to, you know, highlight that because I doubt, you know, I assume he had vol- he volunteered to participate in that program. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't receive anything for, for doing and, that. And just goes to show, um, you know, as we continue on as residents, as attendings, having mm-hmm. that ability to give back. You know, you don't need, everybody doesn't need to stay in academic medicine, but yeah. there's always going to be some way you can get involved and make an impact on someone's life. And you are here, obviously, because of his uh, his investment. Yeah, that, uh, that's really why I take, you know, a lot of the opportunities, even that we get as residents very seriously to volunteer and to interact with young people, because I know, just by seeing us, you know, our presence is impactful and powerful. And I think, uh, you know, you never know what influence you'll have on the young person that you're interacting with or uh, talking to on any given day. And so, you know, whenever I see, I know you, you probably remember as a, you know, resident, whether it was like through the community champions program or through whatever, uh, opportunities that come across our email, uh, I really try to take advantage of those and try to be whatever influence I can to the next person who has a dream to be a doctor, a dream to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I remember I hit you up uh, for brunch or something one weekend. You're like, oh, I got to teach the youth. I'm like, man, <laughs> hit the Michael Jordan meme. But I was like, let, let me uh, let this man be great. So no, it's a be- <laughs> that's a beautiful story. Uh, where did you go for college and what did you study? I went to Wabash College uh, for undergrad, which is a small, uh, actually an all-male liberal arts school in uh, central Indiana. 
Um, I studied psychology. I majored in psychology, minored in biology and chemistry, uh, which is, I think, mm-hmm. is a uh, most most undergraduate students uh, either they're not told or uh, just don't know that you know you don't have to major in any like biology or chemistry in order to go to medical school. You just have to take the prerequisites for the the MCAT and the prerequisites of the school that you are applying to. So I think that's a a pretty good hack. I wasn't really interested in like uh, biology and chemistry. Actually, I I find that a lot of the students who applied to medical school, that necessarily wasn't their like interest was the hardcore biology, plants and animals and the chemistry. But they had a passion for learning about human anatomy and human physiology and pairing that with service to humanity. So Majoring in psychology allowed me to study something that I was actually like really into and interested in while also still preparing for medical school. Yeah, and along the way, you know, being first generation college student, first generation medical school applicant, how did you know what steps you needed to take to apply for medical school? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was mentorship, really having um having mentors in my life that uh, helped guide me along the way. Uh, Also, my choice of college was really important. So Hmm. I think when you're looking at schools at that age, as you're going from high school to college, I was like focused on going to a big school like the Ohio States or the, you know, Indiana universities, like large state schools. And unfortunately, a lot of schools don't necessarily have the resources to, to dedicate to individual students to help them along their journey, right? And you really are a number during that um, that time in college. And so going to Wabash College was pretty huge for me where I got kind of that individual attention. I told them I was interested in medical school. And just by that, doors opened for me to like prepare me for medical school. I had an advisor who knew I was interested in becoming a doctor. So she uh, was had the information about like, these are the courses you need to take. And this is how we'll set up your schedule so that you can take these courses and that you're not overloaded. And so choosing a school that uh, I felt like I had those resources was really important for me to, to, um, to, for, to be realistic in terms of getting to medical school. Also having access to my professors was a big deal. Like being in those uh, courses that being in biology and chemistry and all those courses where at a big state school, you might not have that individual attention or you might not be able to actually meet your professor. At yeah. the school I chose, I you know, was able to go to their office hours. I was able to have that one on one attention when I was struggling in the course. And then lastly, uh, you know, in college, we had a pre-medical advisor. So for the students who, you know, were trying to set up an application and trying to get through the MCAT and do all these steps in order to get to medical school. We had somebody whose job, uh, Jill Rogers was her name, who was dedicated to helping us get to medical school successfully. So I think a lot of it comes down to choosing a school that has the resources to help students who say, I'm interested in medical school, get there. No, that's huge. Um, sounds like you hit all the right steps and you had that, that, um, path, you know, you reached out and people helped you along the way. Yeah. You went to IU for medical school? Yeah, I went to Indiana University for medical school. And yeah. when you started medical school, were you planning on becoming a surgeon? Um, 
No, I wasn't. So being a, uh, you know, being a first generation college graduate and having no one in my family that was interested in medicine, uh, I honestly didn't know what, I didn't even know there was resident. I didn't know residency existed. So I was <laughs> in medical, uh, in uh, not medical school, in graduating college, I was like, oh, wait, yeah. there's, there's training after medical school. Like, this is crazy. So, and then when I started medical school, I didn't even know all the different residencies that existed. Yeah. Right. Like, I didn't know that you could do general surgery. I didn't know that there was a plastic surgery. I didn't know that there was internal medicine and internal medicine led to infectious disease, cardiology, gastroenterology. Like, I didn't know any of those things. And so when, uh, during my first year of medical school, I knew that I wanted to be in, serve people who looked like me. Which and, and be in a field where uh, I could care for the people who look like me, as well as I liked I liked emergency medicine. So not not emergency medicine as a as a field, but I liked being in emergencies where I had to take care of somebody in a very acute setting. And so I didn't truly know what field that was, which is trauma and acute care surgery. I didn't know that that was a field in in and of itself until. I was finishing my second year of uh, medical school. I was like, this is the kind of doctor I want to be. I had a very similar situation. I mean, I went to Howard. I was, my parents went to college, but I was the first one in in medicine. So Mm -hmm. my goal that I worked so hard for was to get into medical school. And like you kind of mentioned, once I got there, I was like, okay, I don't know what's next. At the end of the first semester, I cleaned out my locker and was, was planning on like in my head, I was like, oh, I'm going to go home and like probably not come back. I am probably would have sat on my couch and like came right back the next semester, but I was, you know, <laughs> in my Phillies and, and you know, <laughs> uh, but I didn't know what, what came next. I, and I thought I wanted to do orthopedic. I was like, I want to be an orthopedic surgeon because I was a pre-physical uh-huh. therapy major and I had shadowed an orthopedic surgeon. So that's the only thing I knew. So I showed mm-hmm. up to, to Howard and I'm like, I want to do orthopedic surgery. And then I looked at all the other people that wanted to do orthopedic surgery and they were yeah. like miles ahead of where I was. And I was like, mm, yeah, I don't want to do orthopedic surgery. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was lost. I was lost. There were specialties that I found out about when I was when I was like on my way to residency, like uh, urology or, or ENT. ENT I never was exposed to and didn't really think of it as as even an option. So that's it's huge. And it's tough as a first generation or somebody like these are questions that feel dumb to ask. Like if I was sat down and asked like, well, what's, what's especially like, I didn't feel comfortable asking even in like the, the amazing environment that, that Howard was. Um, so it's great that, you know, through social media, through this podcast, there's people that, you know, hopefully could pro- provide some representation or examples of what type For of sure. position people can be. Can we double tap on that story about how you almost didn't come back? Cause I don't think I even know this one. Were you struggling academically or what was it? No, I was, I, I was, Good. Academically, I was fine. I, I was just lost. I didn't know what what I was doing next. I didn't know what specialty to go into. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't. I rarely really set goals for myself, but that okay. was like the one goal I had was medical school. And once I okay. achieved that, I was just kind of lost and floundering. But I, I had some uh, two of my classmates that were like, I was going to walk to the train station, uh, Shaw Howard train station, with all my stuff in my locker, and they were like. Oh, let us drop you off. Let us drop you off. You know, and they like refused to let me walk because I was gonna like just be in my feelings the whole time. And they literally right. forced me to like. I think we ended up on U Street, and 
probably at Alero with the um, uh, mango uh, frozen margaritas. And then I, everything was much better. And I went home for Christmas break and then came back and the West was history. But it was just is the incredible impact that those friends had at that yeah. exact moment of time. And I needed them to kind of pull me out out of the uh, the dumps. But yeah, sure. man, we're here. We made it. Yeah, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you when did so you found uh, surgery? You know, as you're doing your rotations. You know, my, I I do recall there uh, Dr. Rudlin. He's actually a trauma surgeon, and um, Dr. Rudlin actually came to our campus and gave like a, a talk. I don't remember what it was about, but I remember he was a trauma surgeon. I remember uh, how he made me feel in that. Um, conversation and just uh when I when I met him and he talked about what he did that's kind of the moment I knew I was like this is what I want to be and this is this is who I want to be like uh, mm-hmm. and so you know you I every I feel like a lot of people have those moments but um it was just you know seeing seeing people who look like us is so important again you know in terms of our journey because it, it ultimately it influences a lot when it you know, it influences us to continue going, but also influences sometimes your career journey, your career as well. So I think it was probably I started my third year rotation off doing research. So we all okay. get an ele- <clears throat> we all get an elective during medical school. And I took mine as the first month to do research. I just I started by uh, emailing like surgeons that uh, were doing research on things that were interesting to me. And just let them know, hey, you know, I'm a I'm a medical student. I have an interest in surgery, and I want to you know get do some research. And I was wondering if you have room for like a student. And uh, you know, I I sent a couple emails. Didn't really hear back from too many people. But then I went to a surgery student interest group meeting, and they said this is the attending who is over student research. So I emailed her the same day. And I met with her in her office the uh, probably a, a week or so later. And she asked me about what my interests were, what my passions were. And she ultimately became my mentor throughout the rest mm-hmm. of my medical school education and my P, my um, my PI for all my research projects. And she helped really groom, groom me for the application process and for what applying to surgery, surgical residency looks like. She helped cultivate relationships with other surgeons within her own department and across other departments so that I had not only, you know, her, my relationship with her, but relationships with other attendings that I could, you know, work with, whether it was with other research projects or just shadow. Uh, You know, I started to build a reputation with not only her as like a strong medical student with a strong work ethic, but I got to develop that reputation with other surgeons as well, which is important for like letters of recommendation and um, all those things. So my relationship, uh, my built, you know, being proactive and reaching out and finding mentorship in medical school, especially during that third and fourth year when you're starting to figure out what residency you want to go into was uh, ultimately what helped me be successful in terms of applying for residency. Yeah. Let's dig into that because- Um, we're recording. It's like July. We'll probably publish this around August. But mm-hmm. we're going to be heading into application season. Um, what mm-hmm. are some of the things that you think were were extremely instrumental in you successfully matching into general surgery? 
I think by far the most important thing for applying for general surgery residency is mentorship. And uh, the reason I say that is because the mentorship helps uh, all other all the portions of your application. Right. So like having a mentor has allows you to have somebody who's willing to overlook your personal statement to give you honest yeah. and critical feedback about your personal statement, um, which is which is a big portion of the general surgery residency. I think, you know, uh, when it comes to personal statements during uh, specifically general surgery residency, you know, your personal statement either, you know, gets like a quick second look in, you know, into the dumpster or it captures the reader's attention immediately and they become very invested and interested in who you are as a person. So I think that's definitely important. The other reason mentorship is important is for letters of recommendation, right? So not only is that mentor likely going to be a letter writer for you, but they're also going to tell you who um, who else you need to develop a relationship with uh, within their department or within the Department of Surgery in order to have strong letters of recommendation that um, and from people who who are well known in their career or in their field. Uh, also, they may be the person that introduces you to that person, right? So, like, uh, there uh, that relationship with Dr. Meager allowed me to meet several different uh, attendings that uh, ultimately became my letter writers for places that I really wanted to go. So, you know, they know they know where their colleagues trained, and if they know that you're applying to that place, they'll make sure to build that relation that you build that relationship with that person that knows people at the place you want to go to. Um, I would say also like the mentorship allows you to get involved in research projects. So, you know, research, I would say um, it's important for applying for general surgery residency that you demonstrate that you've um, you have an understanding of the scientific, the process of the scientific method of studying things. Right. So like, um, you know how to ask a scientific question, you know how to. Um, create the methods to study that question. And then you know how to speak about it meaningfully. So like have a number of research projects is not very important, um, but having meaningful research and something that speaks to who you are and what matters to you and um, that you actually like had an active role in, it definitely stands out. You know, I was, I was actually having this conversation not too long ago, and we were talking about the, um, a medical student who had 26 research uh, projects and mm-hmm. application. And I actually like that having 26 actually in some ways hurts you. Right. Because now on, you know, interview day, you have Unless this you got like a PhD or something, a PhD or MPH. And you've right. been in school right. for 12 years. That's what I'm saying. You know, you look at the application, it's like tw- you, 26 projects. And well, since then, what else, what else you've been doing? Right. Right. And it's just, uh, I mean, to the, to the uh, attending who's looking over your application, it's like, you didn't really contribute meaningfully right. in 26 cap. publications. It's cap, right? Um, <laughs> and so, um, you know, having research, it's not necessarily important about the number, but it's about what you contributed, what you learned and your ability to speak meaningfully about the research project that you participated in. 
Um, you know, obviously publications help, but it's not the end all be all of applying to general surgery residency. I would say the other, um, you know, the pro tip, which also, again, speaks to mentorship is meeting with the program director and meeting with the um, your chair. Right. So letting meeting early on with your chair and yeah. t- uh, telling them you have an interest in interest in surgery and telling them, you know, a little bit about yourself, bring your resume or your CV, whatever you yep. have. You know, you want your chair to know your name because during general surgery residency, there's a chair letter. Right. And that chair letter that it can either sound like that person knows you or has never met you before in their life. And so you want your letter to sound like, OK, this is a chair that has met this student before. Uh, and I think that that has a big impact. You know, meeting with your program director, they'll give you advice on what you need to do, you know, what letters you need, what uh, how what it takes for you to be successful in terms of the application process. So I think, you know, um, mentorship at multiple levels is very important. Yeah. Having resident mentors, having attending mentors, you know, the resident mentors ultimately help me be successful on clerkships, help me earn you know, uh, a strong reputation with not only the residents, but the attendings, because people talk in the hospital, as you know, Dr. Bradley, you know, right. you keep talking uh, <laughs> <off the line. laughs> I'm going to catch a strays on my own podcast. <laughs> uh, but, um, um, but, you know, having those resident, um, those resident mentors is so important because residents speak to the attendings and they speak to each other. Yeah. And so if you're a bad medical student, it's going to be well known. And if you're a strong medical student, it's going to be well known. So having those resident mentors that give you the advice on, listen, this is what you do need to do to rock the clerkship. This is what you need to do to, you know, stand out on the rotation. And then they can also tell you, these are the attendings you want letters from. Right. Um, and, and these are the ones going to actually write a letter and these will take forever and not get back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So and then having the attending mentorship, which, uh, like I said, was ultimately what really made me successful uh, in the application cycle. So I, I hope, you know, for the listeners and especially the pre-med listeners and the medical student listeners that they really take heed to um, some of the things I said, because ultimately that's really what uh, helped me. Yeah. And this is obviously on top of getting the grades and passing the exams and all that stuff. I want to dig in, though, on the mentorship because I, I'm not tuning in next week to hear the second half of this incredible episode on the Black Doctors podcast. We're here because representation matters. If you've been listening to the show and haven't already, definitely follow us on social media. Go to iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Leave a ranking and a comment and share with your friends.